What's good, Whisper Nation? It is Friday, September 25th. We're bringing you the news and nuggets. We are the Fantasy Whispers, getting you ready for this weekend of games. Let's do it. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. Whisper Nation, good to have you with us here on this Friday afternoon live recording. I am Austin Sear. You can catch me on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. And I'm joined alongside by Big Travi. You can catch him at Big Travi TFW on Twitter. And of course, Johnny Game Time Hicks. Catch all of his insights on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. Gentlemen, we've got another round of games. It's week three. Thursday night is behind us, and we're looking ahead to this weekend. What do you want to share with Whisper Nation, general advice or things to keep an eye out for as we head into week three? Big Travi, what do you have to share with Whisper Nation right now? Um, I think the biggest thing I'm excited for as far as week three, and it may not even be that fantasy relevant, is all of these matchups that we have this week. So, Obviously, last night, it didn't really come through with the the uh, Jacksonville-Miami matchup, but we had the facial hair, the Floridian facial hair face-off last night, which was kind of fun. But also this weekend, we've got Seattle and Dallas. We've got Buffalo and Rams. We've got New Orleans and Green Bay, and we've got the the closeout on Monday night. We've got Kansas City and Baltimore. So, you know, if you were sitting there and you're, like, devastated after all those injuries in week two, you've got to be excited at least, uh, you know, or a little optimistic. Uh, about the matchups we have going into week three. So that's kind of where I've been sitting on it, at least. Yeah, some really good marquee games to look forward to, no doubt. How about you, Game Time? What should the listeners be keeping an eye out for, advice to share, or something you're particularly interested as we go into week three? I'm almost more interested in owning my handcuff or rostering my handcuff a little bit earlier this season and wondering if that is an actual... Uh, thing that you might want to do a little sooner rather than later with some of these players. Um, you know, with all the injuries that we saw last week, I, you hope that that goes down this week and, you know, you're keeping your fingers crossed. But man, there are, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of injuries today, not only to the running back position, but wide receivers. And it is becoming a an absolute bloodbath. So uh, I would go and pick up your handcuffs, even if uh, if you have an extra roster spot, I would say. Uh, to burn not bad advice it seems like every season around this time of year we say my goodness there are more injuries and i remember the year before but this year i swear to goodness it's actually true (laughs) i don't have any numbers to back that up so we'll see but it really feels like this COVID off season and everything that's gone into this atypical preparation has resulted in whether that's the factor or something else a lot more injuries than we're used to seeing Maybe it's just from some marquee players. Either way, injuries happen. We got to keep moving forward. New opportunities are ahead. So we're going to go ahead and jump into some of the news and nuggets going around the league right now, helping you get prepared for this slate of games coming up on this weekend. And hit, hit us up in the chat. We'd love to answer any questions that you might have about general NFL happenings, sit, start questions, who would be the better matchup or better person in your lineup. So we'll be talking to you throughout this episode as we break it down. With that, let's get it going over here. Um, If the New York Jets hadn't been facing enough adversity already, Braxton Berrios, 
Uh, he's questionable now with a hamstring. It feels like everybody now is dealing with something. Rashad Perriman's been ruled out. Jamison Crowder has been ruled out. Uh, Adam Gase might rule himself out. Who knows? We'll see. No. Uh, Unfortunately no. for all of us, he's never going to do that. How and, uh, it's going to have to come to the Jets organization to do that. Unfortunately, how bad? Which probably won't happen. How bad is it that? How bad is it that I every time like the notification comes, uh, it always says like. Adam Gase is doubtful, and I get like a little perky because I'm like, "Oh, is Adam Gase not going to play like coach this game?" But then it's always like another Jets player, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know, like it's I I know that sounds terrible, but I'm like, can we get a new coach in there somehow, some way?" Not yet, at least, Travi. With all of this news going on, is there anybody from the Jets team that you would feel comfortable rostering? Um, given this, not just Braxton Berrios news, but everything else surrounding uh, their playmakers. Yeah, I can't say that I'm really confident in anyone at this point, just because the way things are shaking out. I mean, I think you could say maybe, maybe in a desperation position, you'd be streaming Chris Herndon and hoping that with Braxton Berrios out, maybe he can soak up some targets in this game where they're, you know, I believe they're over, uh, they're, they're underdogs by 10 or more points. Uh, so I think it's 11 at this point. So who knows if that line changes even more now. And, uh, yeah, I just don't want any part of the jets, you know, something I've been looking at is like, yeah, you want, you, sometimes you want garbage time, but last night it was kind of miserable watching the Jags and hoping that Minshew would get something done. It's just not the funnest way to watch fantasy football anymore. No, it feels like you're rooting for something that's just not supposed to happen. And, yeah it just doesn't feel good johnny darianton evans running back rookie draft by the tennessee titans was finally removed from the team's injury report he's been injured really this entire season looking like before the season started he was going to be one of those elite handcuff options you talked about handcuffs earlier and darianton evans was slated to be derrick henry's main go-to handcuff but he hasn't had that role because of the injury a lot of people also expected him to be that third down back derrick henry's been getting a ton of volume he hasn't been extremely efficient with the work he's gotten yet i know we're expecting that to pick up do you think darianton evans and his potential role is going to have any impact on what fantasy managers could expect from derrick henry this week I honestly think it might help Derrick Henry a little bit because he won't. He maybe I I feel like he because he is on the field so much and it's so early in the season he might be a little bit gassed right now and it might be why you are seeing uh, the Titans throw a little bit more as well. Um, but I I think that this is overall this is a good sign. I they won't like Derrick Henry is not going to lose his job. They just you know, gave him an extension. So overall, I think this is good. But like you were saying, you know, if I have Derrick Henry and I'm going in this game and I have that extra bench spot, normally I probably wouldn't even pick him up. But based on this year, I would put him on my bench uh, if I if I have Derrick Henry just to protect that so you're not battling waiver wire and all of that. I'd agree with that. I think Darrington Evans is going to be a very nice play. God forbid anything happens to Derrick Henry. Um, we haven't seen him in the NFL yet, but people will, were very excited, including his coaches, after they got to see what he was about. Big Trav, yeah, we're just moving... To sum, just to summarize, sorry there, Austin, just to summarize what you guys are saying, like if you have been putting off, you're the Derrick Henry GM, and you've been putting off picking up Darrington Evans, like now's the time. Like yeah. I don't think uh, you should wait any longer. Well said. Moving on to Kenny Galladay and the 
Detroit Lions, another hamstring that's been plaguing fantasy managers who picked up Kenny G in the second round, most likely. Um, I want to ask you about Kenny Galladay, how this impacts the Detroit Lions. And then I want to ask Johnny and Travis a little bit about these hamstring soft tissue issues that we've been seeing. Uh, But to get to the topic at hand here, Kenny G, Kenny Galladay, he's questionable for week three. Uh, He told reporters he's not 100% headed into the matchup, um, but everybody's cautiously optimistic. Uh, that Babytron, as they've been calling him, will be active. A snap count could be in order. Uh, we might be seeing him looking uh, not maybe as a decoy. Hell, maybe as a decoy. Big Travi, how are you feeling right now about Kenny Galladay starting him if you are someone who drafted Kenny G for the Lions? I think you have to start him. Unfortunately, that uh, means that he, he you do have the chance of him being a, a decoy. But I think Vegas, who tends to always kind of be right for the most part, uh, predicts that Galladay is going to actually make a difference in this game. And whether that's him directly or the offense, this is a massive over-under. It's like 55 and a half points in this game. You know, and you would say, oh, is that all Arizona? Well, Arizona is only favored by five and a half or six points, depending on the sports book you look at. And so what I'm taking here is that Galladay is probably going to be active. He's probably going to run a, a, quite a bit of routes when they put him out there. And it's probably going to open some things up for the offense. I just don't understand, like, with all the injuries going on, how you could bench Kenny Galladay in the game he's supposed to come back in. Um, So I would just probably be rolling Kenny G out there. And then if you've got ancillary pieces, even like a Marvin Jones, a TJ Hawkinson you've been kind of holding out on, and especially Matt Stafford, this is the game that I think that they could actually cash in with Kenny G back in the lineup. I mean, we've seen that their points per game jump with Kenny G and, and Matt Stafford together. Um, you know, their their red zone opportunities jump with Kenny G and Matt Stafford together. And really, Matt Stafford's deep ball gets so much better when Kenny G's on the field. Wow. So you're suggesting that these other players and pieces benefit from Kenny Galladay being on the field. So if you weren't starting Marvin Jones before, maybe actually you should be thinking about it more. Now with Kenny G. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just based, based on your lineup, it's always relative, right? But I think that if if you were concerned about Marvin Jones getting open he's been drawing the main coverage because everybody knows he's the best wide receiver when Kenny G's not there and so now you're getting in a situation where Marvin Jones becomes an interesting play with Kenny G back in the lineup because he's going to get that secondary coverage uh you know rolled over to him I I wanted to ask Johnny go ahead Johnny I would be concerned for TJ Hawkinson in this game uh the Cardinals have been very good this year with guarding the tight end position it's not like last year and tj has already been struggling without uh galladay on the field he's been struggling to get targets without galladay so you're adding galladay uh the interesting thing is galladay even admitted that he wasn't even near 100 percent. he wouldn't even he went as far as saying he wouldn't even put a percentage on it which scares me because if, you know, if a player is even 75%, they're going to be like, yeah, you know, like, and they'll even lie to say, yeah, I feel 90, right? But if you're not even willing to put a percent on it, tells me he feels he's maybe 70 or 60, which is in an athlete's eyes a little bit enhanced as well because they always want to push it. I don't know if I trust him. I don't know if I trust him either way to quantify something that's not really quantified. Right. I would sitting down. He was probably sitting down when he gave the answer. To that question. I would. Yeah, very true. <laughs> well, what I, I, what I would say is I to Travis's point. I don't think that you can bench him on his on his first game back, but just temper your expectations and don't expect him to have a mega day and just be happy if he gets out of the game with, you know, uh, a, 
a solid game. You know, eight touchdowns for 80 or eight grabs for 80 yards, eight touchdowns. Everyone would be like, yeah, sign me up for that. So before we jump into James White and the New England Patriots, I wanted to spend just a moment talking about some of these tissue issues that have been abundant throughout the NFL and sorry, folks are going to continue happening because these are human beings playing football and tissue issues just happen. My question now is when we have these players who are kind of in, kind of out, you know, Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones is another one that we'll end up talking about, Devontae Adams, Devontae Parker. A lot of these players who are dealing with hamstrings, who are missing practice, showing up in games, not playing, playing. What is your general take on when do you start a stud, a wide receiver, an elite, a wide receiver one, even a wide receiver two, a rosterable, startable wide receiver, if they're not 100%, but they're actively playing in the game? Do you have any point that you look at to say, yeah, I'm keeping this guy in my lineup no matter what. If he's starting, I'm starting him. Or is it, is, is I mean, it how do you evaluate not, that? Not to bail out again and take the easy answer, but it is all relative to your roster and the construction you have. Because if you've got a guy like Devontae Parker, let's take, for example, on Thursday night who had a hamstring, but got 69 yards and, and pretty much got PI'd uh, out of a touchdown. Like he almost had a touchdown in that game. So if he isn't 100 percent, he still is getting that number one, you know, usage, at least at times. So I would just say if you didn't have anything better, yeah, you're going to you're you're going to roll with that guy. In the case of Kenny Galladay, we said, you know, temper expectations. So instead of the wide receiver two, wide receiver one, you're banking on when you draft Kenny G, really wide receiver one. You're thinking more of a wide receiver two flex situation for Kenny G this week. And it's just that's your expectations. So you look at a couple guys on your bench who have usage that's backed up, they're healthy, and you go, oh, maybe I would flex this guy rather than go with Kenny G in that situation. So that's really what it's about. You've got to look at what you've got going on, and if you've got better options, for sure, I don't mind it, uh, but it's all relative. Yeah, I think that's a good way to break it down. Obviously, you're going to start the best people you have available on your roster. But, Johnny, is there any other pieces that you're looking at when we're dealing with tissue issues and a sub-100% active player um no i mean it, yeah just situational it's it's always situational completely so james white running back for the new england patriots he's going to be out again um he had a a significant loss in his life his father died um and his mother was in critical condition after the accident uh, he missed last week so obviously prayers up for him and his family um shifting over to the football side of this He's going to be out this week, which takes a running back situation for the New England Patriots, which is already confusing and doesn't add much clarity. Uh, Rex Burkhead played 71% of the team's offensive snaps. He saw six targets, but we know that Cam Newton is the one really running the ball for the New England Patriots right now. We know they still have Sony Michelle, former first-round pick, who looked very irrelevant as the fullback filled in for him. Um, but Johnny, with this news of James White and the matchup that the Patriots have this week against the Raiders, um, is there any running back right now that you would even consider flexing? No, it's uh, I the only running back. If if you want to start calling, uh, you know, can we a uh, running back or can we a quarterback? Uh, like that's what we should start doing. But uh, I would not start any other running back here. If you if you absolutely heard like I want a running back from this game, I would go with Rex Burkhead in this case. Um, but I, you know, it'll see. I because I don't think uh, Damian has been uh, elevated off of the right. 
So um, yeah, it would be it would be Rex Burkhead if you're in a, a deep deep bind. But other than that, I am absolutely staying away from this because Cam Newton is getting all of those goal line carries. Yeah, so we write the matchup column, Austin, every week for thefantasywhispers.com. Anybody can check it out there. And for the past three weeks, it's been a complete fade on this backfield as our suggestion there, just until we can see what's going on here. If Damian Harris comes back, I like picking him up. I like stashing him a week early or whatnot, but uh, I just haven't seen anything that gives you any kind of upside or anything that you really like uh, with uh, the Patriots' backfield. Yeah, definitely. And it's not that nobody's going to perform. I mean, so far, no running back has performed. But even if one does end up popping off, it's so difficult to pick which one it's actually going to be that week, if it's any of them at all. Uh, I want to jump into a couple of the questions. Before we jump into some more of these news and nuggets, we've got a few questions that have been popping up in the chat here. Uh, We've got uh, Miles asking, um, or excuse me, we've got uh, Rain Normsey asking, is Juju Edelman and Kelly a good trade for Michael Thomas. Uh, I want to ask Johnny about this one because Travis, I know in our league of record took Michael Thomas with his first round pick. I'd like to get Johnny's take here real quick on his Juju Edelman and Kelly, Joshua Kelly, a good trade for Michael Thomas. What do you think, Johnny? Honestly, I, I would make this trade. Uh, if I'm, uh, if, if I'm getting Ju- Juju, because the chan- the odds are that, the Michael Thomas, uh, ro- the whoever o- uh, rosters him, is probably reeling. They might be 0-2. Uh, if they're 2-0, and then you can kind of look at this maybe a little differently. But I think you're getting plenty of value. I mean, Juju is, is looking like you know a, a very good wide receiver. Uh, Edelman is the number one a- uh, option for, for Cam right now. And Kelly is looking like a very solid running back that... <clears throat> Has a uh, you know has flex appeal as we stand right now, uh, but his role I definitely see getting bigger. And if anything were to happen to Eckler, he is a bell cow running back for a, a team that wants to run the ball a lot. So uh, you know Michael Thomas with the the ankle injury is a high ankle sprain, which usually uh, lingers for a while even when you return. So uh, I would I would probably do this deal. Big Travis coming in with a big yes. If you're trading away, MT, are you hoping that someone comes and in, comes into our league of record giving you that offer, Travis? <laughs> that would be excellent. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, they're they're watching right now. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, you just think that's so much value right there uh, that you'd be giving up. I mean, Juju himself has an opportunity, and I don't think he will. Uh, yeah. So see, Rain Normsey comes back and says, "I'm getting MT." Uh, uh, then yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> it looks here. sexy though, right? Yeah, it looks yeah, so sexy. I understand it. And, you know, obviously this will depend too on like if all of those, like Juju's not going to be a late round pick for you, but you know, if, you know, uh, Kelly and then uh, Edelman were late round picks and you're stacked at the other positions, like maybe it does make sense to kind of uh, get it, but I wouldn't, Ooh. I wouldn't give up on Edelman just yet. This uh, is the value you're getting. This is great. He says, but I still have D hop Diggs, and Aaron Jones. I would actually do Diggs. I would flip. If you can do Diggs. If you can take Diggs and Edelman and trade them for Michael Thomas, I would do that because I like in this case Edelman is a very nice piece, but you are yeah, but he's he's the he's the guy getting MT right. So he would yeah. you want him to take Diggs and Edelman and and get MT or actually Diggs I, I Diggs himself might be able to get MT. 
and and yeah. certain leagues, and <laughs> I'm saying in certain leagues, in certain leagues, because of how yeah. Diggs is popping off right now, t people might do this, and if if the Michael Thomas uh, who rosters him is zero and two, they might do it. Worth a shot, I would. I would, if I'm in that league, I would do that or try to offer it. I like Diggs though. I know I like Diggs a little bit more than the two of you to start off this season, um, but we'll see how it keeps going. Good week last week, but a lot more football ahead for sure uh, but not this week for Henry Ruggs he's not going to be playing football this weekend he has been ruled out he was downgraded to limited in Thursday's practice not a good sign for his week three availability um, so even if he does miraculously come back probably a matchup you're going to want to steer away from with that Henry Ruggs how is this impacting the rest of the playmakers uh, big Travi with Henry Ruggs being down we got Edwards over there uh, Darren Waller the official Raider of the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, who had an uptick in his participation as well. Yeah, we just have two playmakers we care about here. Even with the Rugs injury, we're only uh, comfortable rolling out with Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, and that's it. Uh, I would like to see what the usage looks like. I'll be keeping an eye on the usage of Hunter Renfro and the usage of Brian Edwards in this game with Rugs out of it. But other than that, you, you can't feel confident even in a what-the-heck situation uh, because we've seen – uh, this offense runs through Josh Jacobs pounding mm -hmm. the rock and then dinking and dunking with Darren Waller. That is what he wants to do. Um, Derek Carr, he being Derek Carr and he being jo uh, John Gruden. So uh, I don't, I'm not confident in any other, other weapons though. I want, I want to ask you this, uh, this question, cause I'm genuinely wondering uh, if, if you have, let's say you have Jonu Smith and, and Darren Waller, cause that's like a realistic thing that someone could have, right? Would you, would you start Jonu Smith over Waller knowing two things? One, that you know Waller just came back to practice today. And two, we know that Bill Belichick likes to take away team's number one options, right? And so uh, there is a good chance that Waller gets double teamed this entire game. And so if, yeah. uh, you know, would you, you know, because I'm, I'm not in this position, but I'm, I, I was thinking about this this morning, like, would I, where would I go? I think I would go with Jonu because of the matchup. I, it's just so nice. And then we knowing AJ Brown is out and I'm just really concerned with Bill Belichick really focusing on Waller and saying, all right, you guys want to beat us? Like do it without Waller, like do it with the outside wide receivers or running the ball. I would argue, I would argue that more important to the Raiders offense uh, is Josh Jacobs. So I would, I would actually say that I think that Belichick would probably try to sell out to stop the run. If we're trying to put ourselves in the mind of the greatest coach, the NFL yeah, right. has seen, <laughs> if that's uh, possible in that, in that part of strategy. But what, what I, what I do want to say here on that note is, you know, um, this defense has seen a lot more opt outs than we've seen in the past. And I think that Waller, I think this question, Waller versus Jonas Smith is actually league dependent. If you are in a PPR league, you're smashing Waller here. I would consider Jonu over Waller in a standard format league, though. The one thing I would add, or, or just to include with that, is Josh Jacobs is one of the two hearts and souls of this team, along with Darren Waller. You could lean on Jacobs a little bit more. I mean, hell, his, he's gotten 52 carries in two weeks. This is like 1999 football. We're talking 25 carries week one, 27 carries week two. Um, but the man is the, hasn't broken 100 yards yet. Uh, we're looking at 3.7 yards per carry week one, 3.3 yards per carry week two. So you're loving that volume. But I do wonder about Johnny's point. Um, if, if maybe you're able to stop Josh Jacobs with a more 
conventional defense and end up focusing your attention on Darren Waller, who has been able to break it out a little bit. Um, but I don't think you can go wrong with Jonu Smith or Darren Waller. They kind of play similar roles, right? Mm. For their teams. Yeah. Yeah. Good problem to have if right. you're in there. Um, Johnny, I want to talk to you right now about the Atlanta Falcons. Julio Jones, his hamstring has been eating him up. We saw him on the sidelines last week wincing. I mean, it looked like he was not, he did not look like he was putting on a show. It looked like the man was in legitimate pain. Uh, he is a beast. He's going to be out there playing whenever he can. I know we hear knickknack injuries from Julio Jones like all the time, but the man plays almost every single game. When you look at how many games he actually starts, and he's, he's pretty much always out there. Um, but he's questionable for week three. And I believe that Julio Jones is one of those players that actually having him serve as a decoy is probably a smart move because of how incredible Julio Jones really is. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald called him the greatest receiver he's ever seen. Mm. Um, we're talking about Larry Fitzgerald right now. So if Julio Jones is dealing with a hamstring issue, Johnny, um, one, how do you handle starting or not starting Julio Jones? And two, what is the impact on the rest of the playmakers in the Atlanta Falcons offense, including, but not limited to, Todd Gurley, uh, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and Russell Gage? I mean, for those those other three, I I, I see an uptick as far as Russell Gage, uh, Calvin Ridley, and uh, Hurst. I would I would not say an uptick for Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley has not been used as much in the passing game uh, as we we would hoped. Uh, here's what's kind of I I kind of hope that Julio doesn't play, and the fact that one I hope he gets healthy and just can sit out this game to get healthy. Uh, but also, it we've always we've been wondering for a while the transition is is Calvin Ridley now the one A right the alpha there, and I'm not saying he is, but I sure I would love to see. Just a little sneak preview of what it would be like if if Calvin is the alpha there and there is no Julio. Um, so that would be really fun to watch us from a you know overlying story from a fantasy football perspective. Uh, but if if I have Julio Jones right, and it it totally depends on my roster. If I have a you know a Julian Edelman that I can put in there, I'm I'm okay doing that uh, in, instead. But if I don't have a great option, like I'm not going to get cute. Like I'm not going to go pick up, uh, you know, a, a deep, deep dive off the waiver wire. Like I'm not going to go get Curtis Samuel, uh, like and play Curtis Samuel over Julio if he's playing. Right? Like I don't. I mean, am I, Travis? Would you? Would you do that? Uh, what's the question? Sorry, I was trying to answer some of the chat questions there. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's just it's just gauging kind of where you would um start Julio or or what players you would start over Julio if he does give it a go. I think it's I think it's similar to the Kenny G thing situation for me. Yes, Julio was limping and wincing last week, right? But he also was, you know, fingertips away from a touchdown pass. Like so like in that same game where he's like limping around, like he almost caught a big bomb that would have made his day. It right. wasn't as if, you know, That's, that caused him to drop that touchdown. It, yeah. it didn't. Um, I, they did say though in the week that, you know, he, there was maybe something that, you know, Dirk Cutter said, maybe there was something more there, but I think Julio is a guy that has lived on the injury report, especially for the last three, four years and constantly plays through stuff. So not saying that he will do that this weekend and not saying you should have supreme confidence in him, but I think it's similar to the Kenny G thing. Like, can you, you're trusting him more as a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one this week. 
if you're rolling them out there. But it will be a game time game time decision. You've got to watch that. Um, and then I think to Austin's question about upgrading, this is for sure an upgrade for the other three pass catching options if he's out. Calvin Ridley will continue to smash. Russell Gage will continue to smash, and then and then uh, Hayden Hurst gets a nice uptick in volume uh, if Julio's out as well. Moving forward, Justin Jackson, running back of the Los Angeles Chargers, his quad, another tissue issue, is making him doubtful for week three against the Panthers. Hasn't really slowed down their run game. I think they've been very happy. The Chargers have been with rookie Joshua Kelly's performance, and they have been getting him involved a lot. Last week, he was in on the field for 52% of the team's snaps. Eckler is still locked into his role. I don't think anybody is really uh, surprised by the fact that he's not on the field 100% of the time. No one expected him, or I shouldn't say nobody, but common knowledge was not surrounding uh, or surrounding the idea that he was going to be a bell cow back by any means. Um, Eckler's kind of been doing what he was doing. But Johnny, rest of season outlook, do you believe that Justin Jackson has any impact on Joshua Kelly or Austin Eckler moving forward, or when he's healthy, is he going to relegate himself to just a spell? Yeah, it's just a spell. Uh, uh, Joshua Kelly is the running back that they're going to want to go with, and and you could see it. He's the most. He's way more talented, and they trust him as well. Yeah, uh, Rob Gronkowski with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he said he signed with the team to block. This following Bruce Arians' comments that their system really just is not designed for the tight ends. And Gronk's comments following that up says, I'm a blocking tight end. Dude, you, it's, it's. Gronk is, Gronk is every coach's favorite player. Dream, right? My he, God. He is like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to call it right now. I, I understand. Gronk scores a touchdown this weekend. I'm going to call it right oh now. Oh my God. I'm going to call it right now. I would oh, not be shocked. Dude, he's got a great matchup, actually. Uh, the tight end, the t- he's got a good matchup. No, I just think it's funny that they're paying him $9 million to block, like, all the time. Like, one of the best pass well, catchers. I don't, and- think, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's that funny, and I don't think it's that surprising that this happened. People are saying, oh, I'm shocked this is happening, because they fall in love with who Gronk is as the star. But the re- some of the reasons Gronk is the greatest tight end we have maybe ever seen is because of his blocking ability. And some of the reason he stayed on the field in New England was because of his blocking ability. And then if you look at Tampa Bay's line, where their weaknesses have been, it's been on the tackle positions. Mm-hmm. So you don't think that Brady said, I know a guy who can block really well for us and keep me upright and keep me safe. I'm going to call my buddy Gronk. It'll just cost us $9 million. And that's pretty cheap when you look at linemen, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, so I, I, that's I would a... just I would I would just I would just say that I think it's all part of the plan to keep twelve upright and to keep them in this Super Bowl hunt. They want to make sure he's safe and they want to make sure this team actually can block well. And uh, I, I don't think it's that surprising at all. I, I just think people fell in love with Gronk in the name. But if you listen to us all off season, you know we just hadn't seen enough from Gronk in the last few years to show us that he was going to be a, a, a threat in that tight end group, especially with the other two tight ends that they use in there and all the other weapons. Look at, uh, so this is an interesting one. We got Rafa Gun, uh, Gonzalez, the trade CD for AJ Brown. Um, I mean, are you getting AJ Brown? Are you getting? I would keep CD at this point. I I really like what I've seen. He he lives in the slot. I think 
if anybody's going to be a rookie or buck a rookie trend, it's going to be CeeDee Lamb, who's super talented and on a high-passing offense that has seen, you know, a delta of targets leave it and, and could potentially even throw for even more targets than they did last year. Um, and he's literally played all of his snaps in the slot pretty much, which means he's on linebackers and nickel corners all the time, which means he's going to feast on that. So, yeah, keep keep CeeDee Lamb. I think A.J. Brown's great. I think the upside's obviously there. Uh, but he's got to get through the bone bruise and then come back to an offense that, you know, down the stretch may not pass as much as we want them to. Yeah, that bone bruise is going to be – that's what's brutal, right, is that even when he does come back – like a bone bruise could last for like a month, and then it's like even when you come back, it's still that's, – that's a brutal one. So we have any uh, – we have a couple more things of news. Did Austin – do we lose Austin? Is he – I think so. Oh no! No wonder he's frozen over there. I was wondering. I was like, "Wow, what is he? He's really reading this. Uh, he's really yeah, he reading like, that." He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't sharing the nugget with us. I was like, "What the right? heck, man? Oh, uh, let, me... let it up." Yeah. Uh, so here's a good one. It says, "Who are some guys I should be tra- trying to buy low on?" Rain Hornsey asks. Johnny, do you have a few guys that you'd like to advise on? Yeah, a couple of. Um, I like. Well, you hold on. The graphics are all messed up right now, Travis. So let me let me switch over to. Okay. Uh, let me get this real quick. All right, here we go. All right, I fixed it. Uh, and then if we can get Austin back on here, we'll we'll put throw fire that back up. But um, so a couple of guys. I still think that you can still find Deontay Johnson. Uh, I I feel I still think that people uh, haven't quite caught on to that yet. And um. I think he's gonna get back here with us. I'm back in here, boys. You back? Almost. Computer's resetting. Technical difficulties. Oh. Doing it. Okay. There we go. Um, there we go. So yeah, I still think you can. I actually think too. Joshua Kelly is a buy low as well um, because he he hasn't fully taken over, but you can see him getting more and more snaps and they really like him. And then the last one I would say uh, would be DJ Moore. That would be the third one that I would actually buy low on because this target market share uh, has been very, very nice. Uh, it's actually been leading that, that team, but uh, he hasn't had those massive explosive plays like Robbie Anderson. So he's kind of being over overshadowed in that aspect. And so uh, you could probably go and get DJ Moore for a lot cheaper uh, than than you would think. All right. Sorry. It's so encourage on that line of thinking. As, as somebody who rostered DJ Moore, um, he's definitely going to be doing more work, but I've not been disappointed seeing Robbie Anderson. I think that Robbie Anderson is going to be more of a staple in that offense than he has been a two-game spouter. Um, I think that if you... It's obviously not a buy-low kind of situation, but I think that Robbie Anderson's stock is going to keep rising, um, and you might be able to find somebody who uh, doesn't feel that way and thinks he's more of a flash in the pan. Yeah, one of the guys I think Joe Mixon is a guy you could buy low on if the offense starts to get it better because he's still getting, you know, uh, bell cow work in that offense. Um, I think Ooh, that uh, Antonio Antonio Gibson is somebody you could potentially yeah. buy low on because they're starting to give him more trust um, in the in the red zone, but he didn't get any pass catching. And I think this team is eventually going to get him all that work uh, just because he is the converted wide receiver. So 
uh, I think he's a guy you could get in on early right now. I think a couple of risky buy lows at the wide receiver position. Risk is baked in, but the upside is undeniable, and that's Will Fuller and A.J. Green. Hmm. After the disappearing act last week, especially seeing how poor the Houston offense went in, against their two tough defensive matchups, um, we're going to have... We're going to have uh, uh, Will Fuller popping off and getting 200 yards one of these games. And as soon as that happens, that buy low status is gone, and you could be able to get ahead of it. Uh, A.J. Green as well, 13 targets is a lot. He's, Joe Burrow's throwing the ball 60 times. So, yeah. The- um, I think, uh, two guys, on that same note, I'm going to just start to hijack it again here. Two guys, because Austin got me thinking, risky buy low, especially at wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, dropped a touchdown last week, so you might be able to buy in on him, especially with the Paris Campbell injury. He's locked into the number one for that squad. And then I also think that um, – uh, I'm blanking on the other name here. Oh, Adam Thielen, I think is another guy, based on the struggles of Minnesota, you could buy in on, who's got 30% market share. Like, that's definitely going to produce numbers down the stretch here for him. Moving over to Johnny's football team, the, the, the team that's on the other side of his hat. The Arizona Cardinals. I'm making an assumption right now. Is it a Cardinals hat? It Johnny? is, yeah, of course. It is a Cardinals hat. All right, right, right on. Uh, so with that, we know Christian Kirk has been disappointing. Uh, he is dealing with a tissue issue. His is a groin. He's been ruled out for Week Three against the Lions. Johnny, how does this impact MVP candidate Kyler Murray as well as DeAndre Hopkins and the rest of the playmakers over there for the Arizona Cardinals? Dare I say I'm a little bit more excited uh, because we are going to see uh, we're going to see Isabella take a a shot at this full time role. And it's something that uh, has been brewing here for a little bit. And and they've been talking about it, you know, on on the radio, uh, just where Isabella is. So the coaching staff is excited Um, and we've seen the explosive plays uh, come, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Like you, you look at Isabella, he hasn't been playing hardly any snaps, but the very few snaps he's played, he's had explosive plays on. And so I think the coaching staff is excited to see what he can do. Uh, he would be another guy that if I had an extra spot on any, on my, on my bench, I would go and throw him on there and just say, Hey, what the heck? Because, uh, this, this Cardinals offense will have, there's going to be another pass catcher that will be significant. It's just, who's it going to be and why not throw a dart? Uh, and, and Isabella could be a guy that's, a, a on our waiver wire column come next week. Who's it going to be? It might be Jerry Judy this week for the Denver Broncos. Switching it gears could over be. to Denver. Yeah. Um, he is dealing with a rib issue, though. He's questionable as the official designation. Last week, he caught four or seven targets for 62 yards. The big news, obviously, is Cortland Sutton going down. Prayers up for Cortland. How is this, Travis, going to be impacting Jerry Judy now that he's moving into the number one role out of sheer necessity, as well as Noah Fant, who early TFW mentioned as a tight end to watch? Uh, along with Joe New Smith as well, who's doing amazing work over there for the Titans. But Travi, how does this Jerry Judy news uh, really impact his performance as well as the rest of the Denver team? I mean, it's got to been impacted somewhat, but I think the bigger impact here is that Tampa Bay draw that they have here. Um, I know Driscoll came in, kind of shocked Pittsburgh a little bit and played pretty well, moved the ball decently against Pittsburgh. 
but this Tampa defense is super talented. And I think after a week of preparing for Driscoll, uh, Tampa Bay is going to be in a good spot here. And I, the only Bronco I'm feeling, uh, there's two. I, I would feel okay with what Melvin Gordon's projected volume is going to be in this game. But I'm really just not okay with Jerry Judy as a, as a pure pass catcher and as a rookie facing a really tough defense. But I would be okay with Noah Fant, even though his matchup's not very good either. Yeah. Uh, before we jump ahead to the next point, a couple of questions in here. Go Cardinals, says Rain Normzy. Heck Go yeah. Cardinals. Indeed. And uh, we've got Ari Buzzman asking us, if Adams and Julio Jones are out, who's a better play? Russell Gage or Alan Lazard, the two other wide receivers on their same teams. Uh, Travi, I want to ask you this one. If Adams and Julio are out, which one would you go with, Russell Gage or Alan Lazard? I want to get Johnny's take. I'd go with Russell. I would go with Russell Gage. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think it's very close. I think if both are out, I think I would go with Gage because Gage has already done it with, uh, with Julio in the lineup, and he's done it. When I mean done it, I mean he's gotten 12 targets. He's gotten nine receptions. He's already done it at a high-volume pace. You remove Julio from that equation, and he could give you, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver one numbers on that week, um, just based on the volume of this offense uh, and and what's going on there. With Lazard, I do see MVS as the actual big play guy in this offense, and Lazard more as the slot guy, the possession guy. And so I just think upside alone, uh, Gage swings the the needle for me a little more here. You agree, Johnny? Absolutely, yeah. I have Lazard going in my dynasty matchup. I've got both Russell Gage and Alan Lazard, but I do like what you're saying, Travi, and I think I'm going to go ahead and switch them out uh, after I go back and forth a thousand more times and pull her out <laughs> before getting ready for Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> and then you'll at me when you make the wrong choice. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, look, I, I live with this. I'm wearing the headband in, in, in memory of, of Gardner Minshew, who we are now dancing on his grave because of last night. And uh, I told all of Whisper Nation to start Minshew everywhere. And this is just how it goes, guys. Hey, I mean, it. this is just where we're at. But, uh, I, well, alligator, that kind of leads into this question here. Alligator feed uh, 11, Djax or Hill? I'm presuming this is Tyreek Hill. And this is, don't get too cute. You start Tyreek Hill. I understand uh, it's not the greatest matchup uh, against Baltimore, but he will still be involved uh, in this game plan. You're going to start Tyreek Hill. I mean, we've seen this before when it shouldn't be a good matchup with two marquee teams. It ends up being a shootout. I think of this same Kansas City Chiefs team going to play the Rams a couple years ago. Uh, a, yeah, that was... We saw a 54 to 51 ball game where defensive scored, uh, wide receiver scored. Everybody scored. So you scored on Monday night. Y- you scored. I yeah, it was your yeah. birthday. It was yeah. your birthday that night. So you did. <laughs> so easy. Um, yeah, but I think that's that's the point here is that you're you're gonna in that matchup these marquee matchups, you know, especially where Vegas thinks it'll be high scoring. You want pieces of that, man. I just love the fact that we're putting Deshaun Jackson and Tyreek Hill in the same conversation not, right we now. Are, we are not putting we are not putting him in the same. No, it was a question. It was a question. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a question we're talking about. I, you will, as you somebody who's been trying to get rid of bad calls, but I'm not going to be uh, making that call anytime. No, soon. I'm trying to trade Deshaun Jackson out in our league, and I just think that if we're starting to, if the people are starting to equate Deshaun Jackson and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, they're both burners. They're both <laughs> they're, burner technical number ones on their team. Like, gonna, they both get air yards. Question. 
Receiving air yeah. yard conversion ratio. Yeah, they both have the yeah. same. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. It's, that's right. That's right. Chris Hannon, if you're listening, that trade is still on the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, want to talk a little bit about the San Francisco 49ers and this uh, uh, plentiful section of options here. George Kittle's out. His knee is still hanging on. It might be a true medical situation. It also might be the results of being set up to play on a field that has a less than stellar reputation. They might be holding him out for just one more week. But big Travi and Johnny, asking Travi here first, is there any wide receiver over in San Francisco that you're looking forward to starting? And then we might as well just talk about the running back situation with all of the injuries that they're dealing with as well. Big Travi, what do you think right now about the San Francisco 49ers? Yes, the, the wide receiver you want to start here is Jordan Reed, and that's because he's a wide receiver in a tight end's body, and Kittle is out, and you should be smashing that because not only does Jordan Reed have history with Shanahan from Washington, uh, but Jordan Reed is the perfect tight end for this system, and that's why they went out and got him. He just has never stayed healthy, and he's healthy so far, So, and Kittle is not, so you want to smash that. And I just don't trust any of the wide receivers. I don't trust Nick Mullins to get it to the wide receivers consistently. Um, and then just you know, coming in on the running back situation, uh, there's been conflicting reports. And so I, I could understand your hesitancy with Jarek McKinnon and then also wanting to start Jeff Wilson. Um, I would say there's been two reports. One is that they still will probably limit McKinnon because of the knee injury, because of the surface and all these things going on. But then, that you know, Shanahan also said that he's talked to team doctors about Jet McKinnon and that he is fully confident in, in McKinnon's status and to be to be the guy. So I think he's going to draw the start and I think he's going to at the very least be the pass catching back. And that alone is enough for me to fire him up this week with confidence and then Jeff Wilson is a sneaky flex play as the touchdown guy in a game where San Francisco is still favored, even with all these injuries. Uh, and I want to say, if you have another spot, you want to take another dart throw for next week, a guy that will probably be on a lot of waiver wire. No, uh, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is coming off oh. the IR uh, this uh, I next it was week. Dante Pettis. Oh no, 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 no! I w- I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, look for uh, Debo Samuel on your waiver wire. You might, if you have a, a spot, he will be the wide receiver one uh, for this offense that will feed that. So if you have an extra spot and need a wide receiver, look that way. So we're going to talk about the. Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be the last news and nuggets piece to hear bring up before we answer some of your questions, Whisper Nation. Thanks again for everybody who's joining yeah. along and catching our live stream news and nuggets episode. If you haven't liked and subscribed to the show already, please do so. And um, we're going to be bringing you daily content every day for the rest of the season and then even after the season. Yeah. And then we do a bunch of cool events in the off season. And uh, it's just things you're not going to want to miss out on. We're going to give you the advantage to help you dominate week in, week out, or at least have a really good time throughout your losing process. Uh, So just make sure you've liked and subscribed. We appreciate every single one of you here. Um, Before we jump into the last round of questions and make sure we've got everybody here addressed, we're going to talk a little bit about the Indianapolis Colts, Johnny. Jack Doyle, he's questionable. We might get his epic return. Baby Hands himself might be back on the field. I know how we all are excited about that. Uh, unfortunately, in my dynasty team, I actually am kind of excited about that because of how much a disappointment Austin Hooper's been, but that's neither here nor there. Well, Ellie Cox had a nice yeah. week last week. Five for 11, five for 111 on 24% market share, but he's expected to roll back into his number two role with Jack Doyle. We also still have Paris Campbell. 
going down. And now T.Y. Hilton without Paris Campbell on the other side. We know Jonathan Taylor is getting a ton of volume, feasting like he's at a buffet. But how about the pass catching options on this one, Johnny? What are you expecting to see out of the guys they actually have available? Uh, you know, Pittman is, it will be, and you know, a lot of people seem to think Pittman will be the guy. Um, he, he looked decent. And then P- Zach Pascal is another guy uh, that was lining up quite a bit in the slot once, uh, once he went down. But, you know, the, the interesting one that will probably get a lot of questions is Naheem Hines and whether or not you should start him. Now, this should be a, a pretty, you know, Indianapolis should be winning this game. And they and pretty handily, um, but I would not start Naheem Hines unless I absolutely had to. I want to see where his production is. I don't know if it's a total failure like it was last week, um, but I do think it will be pretty minimal. But I want to see it. It could, you know, it could be game script dependent. What I am finding is a lot of these games seem to be going that way early in the season with some of these players. Uh, it seems to be very game script dependent is how they're rolling these guys out. Uh, and so I want to see it before I would drop him or do anything or put him back in my starting lineup. Did great take Johnny. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for those ones, more developing storylines on the way. Um, Travi, Johnny, let me know if there's any other topics related to the players, news, notes, injuries, all that good stuff that we should be covering here while you're thinking about uh, that. Yeah. Did Ray Norms, Ray Norm, Go, go ahead, go ahead, Travis. I'm just so excited uh, about a possible live trade. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what happened? What's Rain going? Nor- Rain Normsey just acquired Michael Thomas. We've been having a conversation oh. with him on our live chat now. Uh, Diggs and Edelman. There we go. I've heard the conversation. Hey, uh, went ahead and dropped that, and he's picking up Michael Thomas. Enjoy gets that feeling, my friend. Dude, gets to keep Josh Kelly. I love that deal for him. Uh, I think that was well done, well executed. Especially with, with his depth. Johnny in his ear. Hey, that's what uh, we are. We're fantasy whispers, right man. That was great. And especially with Appreciate his depth, that. it might be a little bit slow once he comes back from that ankle injury. But near the playoffs, that's going to be money. Yeah, that's a I just want to gets... remind everyone, George, George Kittle is out. That's official. Uh, he's going to be out this weekend. I do want to remind about Devontae Adams as well. Now, Adams was – it was said earlier in the week that, you know, Adams had the hamstring. It wasn't a big deal. Then he wasn't practicing. Then LaFleur said he doesn't need to practice to play. And then LaFleur said he's probably doubtful. Um, and so now we're at a situation where I am I can almost guarantee you that Devontae Adams will not play, even if he wants to, because the Packers are ultra conservative with their players and he hasn't practiced all week. If you are lucky enough to have a Devontae Adams and an MVS or a Lazard, I can feel comfortable with that pivot. But this is a Sunday night game and you should make other options if you don't have that luxury. Oh yeah. Uh, Great points to mention there. Uh, uh I just want. Ahead, I just wanted to mention. Well, uh, our well before we get to the last few chats, um, I want to say we will be going live again this Sunday morning to get you all set for your lineup. So make sure you join us right here. Make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, so you get notified when we go live, so we can get you all the latest news and get you the best lineup possible, so we get you that W. We love talking about this. We'll be doing it live every week. Join us. Bring us your questions. Bring us your thoughts. That's what we're here for. Ari Buzzman says, are you guys at all concerned about Joe Miss, Joe Mixon rest of season? 
Uh, he's getting as many snaps as Gio Bernard, and they will be in a lot of passing game script situations. Uh, Travi, how are you feeling about Joe Mixon right now, rest of season? I think Joe Mixon, as we mentioned before, is a huge buy low candidate. Um, he's, he's had a bad line every year he's been in the league and he rises above it every time. He's a really good running back. They need to, um, if you saw at the end of last year, the Bengals really committed to him and started to be, and it started to pay off in a big way. I think Zach Taylor was excited about Joe Burrow and has got Joe Burrow out there slinging, but they're eventually going to want to try and win some games with Joe Burrow and protect him. And I think that's going to be leaning on Joe Mixon. Uh, I believe that um, Ari also asked about uh, the line. And I think sometimes what you see with offensive lines is it takes time for those units to gel, especially if they've got new pieces to it. So we could see this getting better as the year goes on. As Joe Burrow improves as well, we could see this offense get a little bit better. You just don't have running backs that get volume like Joe Mixon does. And I know Bernard's been mixed in here and there, but that's really not going to matter as far as Joe Mixon's concerned. The volume he gets as a pure runner is really what you love to see. And I just don't know what deal you're going to get back for Joe Mixon. I mean, unless you, uh, this is crazy, but unless you got something like a Jonathan Taylor or something like that, where you could get that back, I would then be, you know, looking at something like that because the upside's a little bit better there. No, I've been talking a lot of smack about Joe Mixon and the Bengals all off season. And even with their 0-2 record, I would be buying in on their buy-low players, A.J. Green and Joe Mixon included, and maybe and even Tyler Burrow. Well, I think Tyler Boyd, Tyler too. Boyd. Tyler yep. Boyd is yep. a buy-low. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm looking at this team that lost two matchups by just a couple of plays. One play, you know, hell, a made field goal is changing the whole thing. Um, and I think that the way you hear Joe Burrow talking about this team and the culture of winning he's used to and and how losing is unacceptable. I mean, every athlete's going to say losing is unacceptable, and then you're going to still go out and play a bunch of other guys who also say losing is unacceptable. So, But when you, when you look at the way he's playing, this rookie is really impressing me. I think he's handling a lot of these lumps in stride. You also have A.J. Green, perennial playmaker, saying he's not 100% right now in terms of conditioning and getting himself back into game flow. If you get Joe Burrow to get a little bit more experience under his belt, you get A.J. Green. Uh, playing at 95, 90% of what he even once was. And there's no reason why he can't actually be 100%. All of a sudden, that takes so much defensive pressure away from Joe Mixon. It opens up so many other options for every playmaker on the Bengals squad. All of a sudden, they start winning. All of a sudden, those 61 attempts are completing with more receivers. All of a sudden, there's bigger holes from Mixon to bust through and get you 20-plus fantasy points. So I'm really liking what's on board with the Bengals team. And this is coming from somebody who was not stoked about the Bengals, about Joe Burrow, about Joe Mixon preseason. So I'm liking this one here. Uh, and uh, making sure we just got all of the questions here. Hey, and, you know, thanks again for uh, the new subs. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. We got... Uh, Love to see it. You do. All right. Is that... All right. Well, I think that wraps us up. I think that one's it. Henderson or Gurley flex PPR. Which one's uh, I'm rolling with Henderson. Yeah, I would go with Henderson in this because uh, the pinky is looking iffy at best, and then Acres isn't looking good. I would go Henderson. But Acres is out actually. I think that I think that news just yeah. dropped. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. I was the number two bidder for Acres and for Henderson this week. I wasn't even close. They like outbid me by double, but I was the number two on both of them. So whatever. That's Rolling true. with the Gus bus after Saquon Barkley. Love to see that. All right, Whisper Nation. <laughs> until Sunday. Until Sunday. 
That is Austin Seer. Find him at Austin underscore R Seer on Twitter. That is at Big Travi with the headband. And I am at Johnny underscore Game Time. And we are the Fantasy Whispers. Until next time, peace out.